Attention, Pokemon players, you are listening to Triple P, the Pittsburgh Pokemon podcast. I am your host, Jake Abrams, alongside Nick Kirko, a.k.a. the Duke of Hobbies. How are we doing today, Nick? Oh, I'm doing pretty darn well now, Jake. Oh, yeah? Yeah, why is that? My basement stopped flooding because I worked on it all day. <laughs> yeah, you showed me the pictures of all the, the pipe work that you did. Uh, well yeah. done, sir. Thank you. Thank you. That was That was a long day. That was a long day, but it's done. I'm all excited. I was telling uh, our special guest that we have on for today's episode beforehand uh, of all the um, what I uh, what I plan on doing down here now that I can oh, yeah. not have to worry about water uh, damaging everything. That's so, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So the workshop <laughs> yeah. is underway. For sure. Awesome. Yeah. I I was uh, doing a lot of work since last podcast as well. Um, got all the electrical done um, to get nice. my computer hooked up, got my lights in the shelves done, got all the painting concrete work done. Um, actually had my first stream last Friday, um, and it went really well. Uh, it was yeah. kind of a yeah. good luck charm. My first 16 games down here on stream, all wins. I think it's because you got Dragapult <laughs> behind you. Yeah, Draggy's up there. He's uh, he's <laughs> protecting my, my, my hands and all that stuff. Now, one thing he's not protecting me from is carbonated waters exploding on me <laughs> midstream <laughs> that was funny i'm glad you were able to find that and get that uh posted because that was uh, you're like sabotage sabotage i was like in the middle like it was just like the 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 screen went green and said uh your turn in the middle of like the second round of a of a you know the 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 eight man pods or whatever the six yeah. man pods um on on ptcgo and i'm like i i can't clean up i gotta just keep going so <laughs> No, I still, it, it, it was funny. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> but, no, uh, but, but we right, got, go uh, no, I was about to say, though, we, we have some fun, uh, you know, stuff to look forward to here coming in the future. You know, mm-hmm. I'm all excited because we, we had filmed and it should, will be out by the time this episode airs is a, another around the board, which was a yep. ton of fun. And then also uh, coming up here on June 12th is that the day is that, yeah, i let think me double the, check to make sure yeah you're yeah, june 12th june 12th is our next saturday is our june saturday select so um um i will not be participating as a no. host again this time just because of travel restrictions and everything and we wanted yep. to get it in before you go on a really long um little yep. break so here I'll be, I'll be gone for two fridays and well and two weekends so i won't be able to do that and i know you were kind of busy anyway so it was kind of just a weekend to come in yeah it was was just it was just weird timing but uh before we we go on to the guests um this will be our third saturday select and this will be my third co-host with me (laughs) (laughs) i'm just no spoilers no spoilers so you guys gotta tune in as producer i just get to keep challenging you and uh, you know you're you're saying jake get better at doing streaming (laughs) and i'm trying to rise up and see if i can do it (laughs) you're crushing it no but hey let's actually get to our guest today uh it is actually someone who's we've had on before and that is steve burks also known as steve the good yeah so welcome steve hey what's up how you guys doing uh, we're doing great. Um, so it's been a little while since you've been on the cast. Um, this yeah, is not your first time, so we're not going to ask you those standard questions. But how have you been since the last time you've been on? Uh, you know, I've been pretty good. I moved uh, from my old nice. location to a new new townhouse, like slash house. Nice. Uh, I moved out further away from the store, so now I get to drive <laughs> even longer to get to the store. But uh, hey. you know, it, 
it's nice. Uh, we were we were doing good at, at the stores, uh, Thursday night tournaments there for a while. We were on like a two and a half month long streak of at least going three and one. Until <laughs> I punted it this week. So, uh, did you, you know, did you happen to bring uh, ADP? Uh, no, I actually only brought <laughs> ADP for the first four of those you know tournaments, and then I played uh, Grass Rilla Boom for about four weeks. And then the last two weeks I've played the Victini VMAX uh, pony deck. Yeah. Oh, with Rapidash, yeah. Yeah. How have you pony. been enjoying it? I have yet to actually try Rapidash. Uh, I think, you know, Rapidash obviously makes uh, the matchups that Victini were struggling with a lot better, like yeah. all the tag team matchups. Yeah. Um, you know, whenever you don't prize three baby Victinis and, you know, your only <laughs> game when you have only three copies of it, the deck seems to run well yeah for sure but, you know, i like it so i haven't really played it uh but i played against it a, a fair amount and it, um the pony seems a little underwhelming to me um i've had several games playing against it where they for some reason or other they can't get um victini running after they've got rapidash going and so rapidash just keeps hitting but he can never kill anything so he's just like I'll take damage to you. I'll take damage to you and you. And then at that point, you're already ahead. Even if Victini's, you know, coming in and, and taking knockouts, it's a little late at that point. Um, yeah, that's my experience against it, Jake, also. Because, like, I think, like, so many people are trying to fit so much into that deck. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, like, Steve, I, I'm almost interested in hearing what you put into it a little bit. Because just because of the fact that, like, I think, I think it's kind of like with Dragapult and Urshifu was it would like get too clunky one way and rather than being more streamlined in a weird way. And, I, I, and like, again, I think there is something there for, it, especially with the tag teams for it. I just feel like so many people are like, well, I just don't want to put them too much time into it right now. It could be very devastating moving forward. It's just something that, you know, it's one of those cards that like, don't forget about it moving forward. Like Steve, like, you know, it seemed like you were having a good success with it. Like, you know, what were some of the key cards that you put in into your version? Uh, so to be to be fair with you, um, I am a habitual type player that I just go to, uh, you know, Limitless TCG, that amazing resource that we have put together. Yeah. And I just yeah. look at a list of, uh, oh, all the time, man, all the <laughs> That's time. perfectly okay. All the time. I'm, Nothing wrong like with that. that. Every once in a while, right? Like, you know, I will take those. Once I play the deck a little bit, I will make right. the, you know changes necessary what I feel like my play style is right and sure. that I think is better. Um, you know, people play different play styles and make the changes that fit your play style. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, the Grass Rulerum deck was, for instance, one of them. Right, you know, I our local meta had a lot of Mewtwo hate, <laughs> so I you know installed Selfie Hoods on my list and that <laughs> went well for me. Nice. Uh, yeah, I agree. But, yeah, you know, with the, the pony deck, like, you got to view the ponies as, like, early game setup. If you're if you're using them past, you know, the first couple of turns, I think you're not going to do well with the deck. Uh, you know, you would want to use your other attackers to take those cleanup knockouts. Right. So, and if you don't get the pony set up probably early enough, I would just abandon that part of the deck. Mm -hmm. You know, that's my feel. Like, if I'm not, you know, using its attack turn one, if I go mm -hmm. second or turn two at most, like I'm probably just going to abandon that strategy. But, you know, uh, it, it's a pretty standard list. You know, play your welders, your giant hearths, scoop up that switch, heat tran, Charizard. Right. 
it seems like the 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 typical backup attackers other than just having that you know um the pony in there for sure <laughs> all right let's get back on track here uh so we wanted to have steve come on today just because uh him being a professor him you know and uh, being in the game for so long we wanted to bring him back on to talk about in-game uh in tournament etiquette uh, that players who might not have experienced any since uh, the pandemic or who have only picked up the game during the pandemic are going to experience if they start going out to stores. Uh, but before we get to that, we're going to go into some major news. And before we get into that, let's jump over to Chuck at the Whimsy Watch. Hello, welcome to another Whimsy Watch, where we are going to take a quick look at this week's meta. Jumping right in, we are seeing the same five decks in the top spots of the meta share. Picarom was once again the top played deck, followed by ADP, Etern, Rapid Foo, and Victini. These five decks have boiled down to be the most popular, so rest assured, these will be out in abundance for all of your online events in the remaining weeks of the Battle Styles meta. Now, speaking of online events, I do want to give a quick shout-out to the winner of this weekend's Limitless uh, Weekly. Uh, it, it's Kiyu. He's from France. He won the 303-person tournament going 11-1 with Munchlax Control. That seems like a feat to me, and I just had to give him a high five. Now, moving on. Uh, Chilling Rain is coming, and I'm really interested in what will be... Be evolving in the meta once it drops later this month. Is it going to be Ice Rider? Is it Shadow Rider? Blaziken? Maybe Celebi? Or something completely different? If you want to talk about it, come join in the discussion in our Discord with the invite that's down in the show notes. Now, be that it's a little shorter of a, a meta review, I'm going to do something a little differently since I know the guys are going to be talking about Rayquaza V and VMAX. It's coming out in Evolving Skies along with all the other cool dragons. Now, Ray Ray, as I'm going to call him, is going to come in and be a force in the meta. I can feel it from the start, just like Eternatus was, except most big-name decks are going to rotate right after he comes out, like maybe a week, maybe not even, th depending on when it drops in August, not, not much time at all. So it's going to be an extremely good option right away. And Duke, you're wrong. And I'm standing with Jake on this one. It's going to be good. He's going to be crazy good. All right, guys, uh, that's going to do it for me. I'm going to wrap it up. I'll see you all, guys. I'll see you all next time. All right. Thank you, Chuck. Great job, as always, my friends. Okay, so we've got some news here. Uh, before we get to the big thing, there's just a, a really quick shout-out uh, article. Um, Target is selling Pokemon cards again. They did a, a, a weird, quick hiatus of, a hey, we're not selling Pokemon or any trading cards, um, to be frank. Uh, but now they, they're, they've announced that they're selling it again. So it will make it a little bit easier for people to, you know, jump in there and find their Pokemon cards, you know, if they can't get them at the LGSs. Yeah, I was finally, I, I was lucky enough. I didn't go to Target though, but I went to Barnes & Noble and got Shiny Fate ETB. It's the first okay. thing of Shiny Fates that I've gotten this entire time. So <laughs> I am finally happy I got something from Shiny Fates. For sure. How about I, you, I didn't Steve? get anything good in it. I'll tell uh, you that. That <laughs> it was the worst packs I've ever pulled, but it was just fun to finally get shiny. Packs. <laughs> uh, 
you know, I I have just been at this point with buying Pokemon product. First of all, I've always been pro uh, buy singles from your local game store or for on, sure, for sure. or you know, of the set. It's the most efficient, cheapest way to get. If you're going to play competitive Pokemon, uh, it is the best way to get your cards. Right. Second, I, I can't agree more. So, uh, I'm still at that point to where I just don't care. I guess <laughs> yeah. that these places are selling the cards. I think, you know, the target break was just for them to get on the same page of their, of all the stores nationally. Just like, this is going to be our plan. We're all doing the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. Right. We're not going to have this chaos that, you know, each store handles the policy differently. Yeah, for sure. And they figured it out. So they brought them back. It's a good thing, I guess, you know, because more product available means more singles are available to be bought. Yeah, yep. cool. All right, so let's jump into the big news. And this news has everybody cramping in their cornflakes all the way from Toronto to Tokyo. And that is, <laughs> that is Rayquaza VMAX. He's he's now been announced. We had a little spoiler. He was going to be in the set. Now he is in the set. Um, and, and with his ability and attacks, everybody is pretty hyped. Or most everybody talking. Um, Nick, do you or um, Steve, do you want to do you want to start us off here on Rayquaza? Yeah, sure. Uh, this card is very similar to a former printing of Rayquaza, uh, of Rayquaza EX from the Dragon's Exalted expansion, which came out all the way back from 2012. So if you think about that, that card has uh, is older than some current Pokemon players right now. Now that, <laughs> that would compete in tournaments. But, That's uh, crazy. Card's very good. Uh, it you know, has an ability that says, once during your turn, you may discard all cards from your hand. If you do, you draw three cards. Seems pretty good. Yes, uh, yes. Like Rayquaza has always seemed to have that type of style of attack, whether it's been an ability or or been an attack. The Rayquaza EX had the first attack, Dragon Burst or something, or Celestial Roar or something like that, mm-hmm. where it discard the top three cards of your deck, then you get to attach any basic energy you find there to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rayquaza GX had the, when you play it, discard top three cards off your deck, take a basic energy from your discard pile, attach yeah. it to this Pokemon. Or I think it had to be a grass or a lightning energy, one of those two. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this one has obviously this one where you get to draw three cards. So they like this like three card mechanic with it. Yeah. Uh, the attack is what's bonkers though. G-Max Burst, 20 plus damage. You may discard any number of basic fire or lightning. You have to choose one or the other yep. from mm-hmm. this Pokemon. And this attack does 80 more damage for each energy discarded this way. That's just so with, nuts. Yeah, with uh, four, four fire or lightning energy attached to it, you one-shot anything in the format with no special modifications to it. Yeah, I, I'm super hyped for this card. Um because that, that that doesn't take a lot of energy realistically to discard and take those one shot KOs. Um, on top of that, he has no weakness. Um, so I think that also sets it apart from any other VMAX that is either one shotting or just tanking. Um, this can yeah. kind of do all of what those Pokemon do without weakness. Yeah, the, the no weaknesses makes it absolutely insane. Dragon type Pokemon used to be weak to themselves when they mm-hmm. first were released and switched to Fairy, and we know Fairy is gone. So, yeah. uh, interesting choice of uh, no weakness, but it's definitely sitting outside of this, like, 
pyramid that you know we're all projecting yeah. to get of the exactly art psychic and fighting pyramid for sure so uh, before we get into discussion and and kind of just like theory crafting because i know we all have our hot takes um before we can actually go into those we gotta read at least two more cards um that kind of go along with that and i'll take the next one and we we've, we've got a flaffy which he's a stage one um but he has an ability uh and it, the attack is garbage, um, does 50 damage for two lightning and a colorless, but we're not playing Flappy for that. We're playing him for his ability. Once during your turn, you may attach a lightning energy card from your discard pile to one of your benched Pokemon. So uh, energy I'm acceleration. Sorry, did, did you say Flappy or Electrike from the old black and white sets? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've seen the memes where it's like, tell me the difference between these two cards. There is none. <laughs> so no, this is just... Um, Energy acceleration uh, for electric decks and or, you know, um, your Rayquaza. So very, very, very um, consistent for um, energy acceleration. Um, and then we got one more. We've got the Stadium, which is a storming range. Once uh, during your turn, the player that are, that player may search their deck for a basic lightning or dragon Pokemon and put it onto their bench. And then the player shuffles their deck. Um, again, just consistent to get those Pokemon that you need out there um, for your Flaffies or your Rayquazas. Um, just again, uh, part of that trifecta to the new cards coming out. And I see all three working really well together. Yeah, and Flaffy is level ball searchable, which is key. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, Flaffy, Flaffy's brutal good, but I mean, it is, it is a stage one, um, which is, you know, this is basically Hound Doom, single strike, electric, but not single strike. So it's just with it's, any electric. It's just electric. It's just I mean, electric. It is and it stage has one. The nice thing, but I mean, that's what Hound Doom is too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and so that's, it's the same kind of issue you're dealing with there. The big advantage I view for it at least is, you know, is the fact that it's level ball searchable, which is really nice, uh, which Hound Doom yeah. isn't. Right. Yeah, I, I think that makes, that. that makes the biggest difference of those two cards is. Right. Yeah, right. I could play one card instead of having a combination of two cards to try right. to get the, the Houndoom. And now right. before we get into any more there, I know there's some some naysayers like, oh, this deck seems a little um, clunky because there's a, so many evolving. Um, but it is a stage one um, and it is not a stage two. So and we're going into a format that's perceived to be slower. So I don't see having multiple stage ones being as much of an issue after rotation. I, I would agree with that. Oh, okay. I know so, you guys. Okay. I know you guys are okay. excited about this. I, I know. Nick, you've been I've, I've been roast sitting us patiently. For, for what? Like six like, since, since this was uh, announced. Um, I don't see where you're coming from, but let's go. Convince us. Why is Rayquaza bad? It's not bad. It's not. I'm not saying it's bad. I think you guys are just wrong on how good it's going to be. That's the difference. Okay. Because... So explain to us how. You guys, basically, when the first messages were coming out, you're like, oh, I'm one shot and everything. Yes, and I don't are. see that being the case. You're going to one shot one time a game with this card. You're going to you're going to get to that four energy and you'll be like, woohoo. You know, you, I'll have five energy down on him. I'll discard four, hit 340. Great. Awesome. That's good. And you'll one shot that one time. And that's that might be that might be really big. That might be really important that turn. If but you the can other watch problem something is your second turn before they do what they want to do, 
here's like, it's now, worth it. but, but that's the question with this deck and you do have to talk but you have to go through this whole process do you go first or second with this deck second do 1000 percent second this is picaron but better okay so now so okay so you go second yeah and you're facing rapid strike urshifu and you're relying on your flaffies he just no, knocks them out no so so all you have to do I, yeah. okay, flaffy is nice yeah. And Flappy's good or, for the mid. Wait, or, wait, wait. Or, or you is, go, or you go, or you take Victini Vmax, and that does okay. just the, and the knocks Victini, out Rayquaza. Well, that's, that's the thing. You okay. got to get to this point. So if you're okay. going second, you're going second. Okay. You're very vulnerable. Okay, I get it. I get it. That's um, the problem. That's two that's problem okay, two number things. one. Flaffy is nice, and he's there for the mid to late game. I don't think he's there for early game. Um, two, Victini is a good deck. It's still going to be a tier to. Uh, S tier, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think it's A tier. For the most part. The thing is, Victini is going to do the same thing to any V or V Max deck. Right. It doesn't matter. So that, 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 yes, it could happen, but it could happen to any deck. Yeah, but so, I, that's uh, what I'm saying, though. But, but you're, but, you're, 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 you're playing into this. No, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Look, you, look, you're, you're coming out swinging hard with this deck, calling it the, you know, BDIF. You're, you're, it is. Yeah, you're, you're calling it that. BDIF but doesn't mean it can't lose to anything because it, it not, should no, lose to things. It's going to lose. That's why you're like, oh, it has no weakness. It's, it's weakness yeah. is it has to get up and running. So does it any Max? It, and well, this one's a lot harder to do that. So, okay, and so, so, so here's the thing: you keep you we we keep, the discussion the way it went is I'm one shotting things pretty often, and mm -hmm. I think no, you'll two shot because you'll have to play the two shot game with it because mo definitely moving forward because mm -hmm. when this comes out, there's it is a three week period then rotation. We're not so, talking about the three weeks. The three weeks is irrelevant in my in my eyes. <laughs> who cares about that three weeks? There's no worlds this year. Well, well I, I, I'm just well, it, it, I, that's what I'm saying. It gets it's it's harder to recover. I think Rayquaza no. will be you know weird so spot is, in that time. But the then thing. Sword and Shield up only. If we're talking Sword and Shield up only, I think Rayquaza is just like. Eh, no, so this is the thing. Victini, great deck. Quasa, great deck. Victini will never one-shot a one-prizer. A, a relevant one-prizer. It one-shots one Flaffy. And we're not talking about supports. We're talking about main attackers. That's what that is. That's what you, you just said. It won't shot a one-prizer. One-shot attacking one-prizer. I could just pull Is it going to one-shot a Cinderace or a Charizard? No. Will Quasa? Yes. One prizers are going to be legit. So you're so, saying this is S tier because of one prizers? No, no you I'm can't. just saying. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Okay, you're not going to the. You're not going okay. to the five energy a turn. No, no you haven't. Let, okay, let me get to let me get to that because you haven't you haven't given me a chance there. You what go, are you talking about? You talked. You started this. No, no, no. Okay, you go second. You boltoned two energies. Okay, so there's two energies. You All rose. Right. You Rose, because Rose is actually going to be good in this deck. I don't care what Mello has to say about that. Rose okay, no, okay, so how'd, so you, get the, wait, how'd, you, get the, how'd you get the energy in the discard pile? Rayquaza's ability. Rayquaza's ability. So you, you discard your whole hand, and you, wait, but yeah. you don't have that in there yet. There's because so many. You, you got to play, the, you gotta play, the, you gotta play the timing of this. Hold on, There's hold on. Stadium. You got to time it, because you haven't evolved yet. So yeah, you but can, you get to draw the three cards. Yeah, you can draw after. three cards. So you have to draw into the rose no, after no, you discard right, it. Right. No. So that's I, what, that's so you can't play rose. You if you play rose, you discard your hand, right? 
And then that, that yeah. energy already has to be in the discard pile. So you already have to have the energy in the discard pile. You Same act like it's hard to get stuff in the discard pile. I'm not pile. saying it's not difficult, but the time. So, but again, you're talking a lot of mechanics that come through in a very specific order, which makes, this is why a lot of people like it's clunky. It's going to be a little mm. slower than you expect it to be. And I you might as, and then you need to find a fire. So you have to play energy search. It doesn't have to, just to be, find a, the it doesn't fire. have to be but, fire. It could be, it could be a special energy. What if it, be, well, then, uh, so, it be, so when do you place that energy? Because like, what if you place it first turn because you didn't go Bolton, and then you just got fan of waved? You don't. You don't play it then. Well, if you, okay. Worst I, I think, place. I think. I think the, the the strategy. You know, as you're saying this, right? It seems clunky, but I think that it just the general pace of play of how Pokemon works. Mm-hmm. I think it is easier to find these type of cards that people realize. Yes. Uh, and, we just you know, mentioned level ball. ball. We just right? left in quick ball. We've we t- talked about the stadium. Those are all ways. You're still going to play professors research. Yep. Yeah. I mean, so well, you then you can't play Rose. Yeah, but that's fine. Like I, I, as you were saying, you are correct that Rayquaza is not one shotting turn two. I do not, not think always. that so, is yeah, It doesn't have to though. Right. It has it to won't. eventually do the one shot. And if it's turn three, turn four that's fine right because the the ability with the flaffies and all of them is it's not just powering up one requisite it has the ability to power up two requisites mm-hmm. right and realistically right as you're drawing through all these cards you're going to get those cards in play and not only that um say you you say this is too clunky to do it on your second turn and, and you don't expect to you can get two requisites set up to reasonably one hit ko one hit ko back to back I don't think so. In I think you I think you're overestimating it on that if one. You get flaffy, no, no you way. Got, because okay, but that's, so, but okay. that's what I'm saying. So, but you're so dependent on the flaffy. No. That yes, you are, and this is just like electro. This is just like Pikachu with the electrodes. The only difference is, is that Pikachu. No, this that's is why like I, I just Coco. use electrode on this instead. This is like Tapu Coco, and Tapu Coco is better. Tap. Tapu Koko is better because it cleared your bench space. Now you're losing. You don't have a lot of. Uh, you're you're relying on that three card draw to okay, really so help say, you. So okay, let's just set this up. If you're going first, just say worst case you go first. You get you get a energy on Rayquaza. You get two set up. Your next turn, you can get some Flaffy set up, right? So you're getting both of them equally set up, and on that next turn, on your third turn, say you can Rose. That is already charged up enough to get one Rayquaza, and the second one is already ready to go if you rose again. Yeah, I just think that most decks can't realistically knock out Maxes by the time it, you it get three turns. It has the ability to. Does it? Will it consistently consistently do that on its second turn if it goes second? Um, no. Maybe, maybe not. It, 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 I don't think it's even relevant for it to be BDIF because the next two turns, if you can't do that, you can set it up to a fact that you can do one uh, one shot one shot pretty but at that, at that point at that point then what you might as well be doing is just running one of them keep it in the backfield for when you need it to do a big one shot save it for that time and then let bolton do all the work until until it's time to bring up rayquaza because you might as well rayquaza just, like, just does more damage and he's tankier i i get that but like you, you can save if bolton comes down and does a ton of damage then one turn the strategy was, oh, they, they knocked out my Bolton next turn. You only have to might discard one energy and it's a knockout. And boom, you're bet, you're more set up in that regards. And so I, and so that, that's what I'm saying, because it's like you, you keep thinking this 
if as soon as the request is down, the other player is either trying to hunt to take it out or just take out the support that prevents everything. Okay, getting so that's what it the wants. same thing that happened with Which is, Eternatus. And what did Eternatus end up being? No, 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 that, no, it's not. It Eternatus was manually attaches one a turn. I understand, Eternatus, but it's this is just replacing it has no energy. energy acceleration. Yeah, this other is replacing than energy with Pokemon. It's two different uh, things, but it was still people would consider it too clunky. Or people, there were no, a lot of people. It there too was clunky. a lot of people that didn't think it was going to be good. Like people, people, no, yeah. no. people thought getting eight bench Pokemon like that would be extremely difficult on consistently by turn two. That's yeah. its issue, is it needs. Whereas uh, Bequaza, yeah, it does require the evolution and all that stuff in that setup. Eternatus required you to find eight bench Pokemon. Yeah, well, you found the Eternatus. In, in a post in a post sword shield up world right because you're not one shotting v maxes with the turnish you're going to two shot so the need to get to to 270 on turn one isn't there okay, the so need to just that, do a ton of to do like 160 is there that's and then the same philosophy up. with requaza though is in the post sword and shield world if it's slowing down i don't need to take the one shot exactly so even if it doesn't take the one shots like i think it can consistently do it in, it, in saying it doesn't matter this is not my point my point is if it takes one shots or takes two shots it's still better than any other v max because it has no weakness there is no deck that not, it just loses it, to and and we've not mentioned that it is a rapid strike and it has rapid strike um it has rapid strike support with auxiliary so if if those strategies aren't working well, you, you can, can get use auxiliary rapid, out there you, you can, can get technically auxiliary use rapid strike their, or auxiliary with any deck it, well, it, it doesn't need yeah, it. yeah but you can use the stadium to switch out free switch outs and you can use cheryl um super easily compared to a lot of other decks that see get, cheryl cheryl might be interesting because you can use that like if you know you're not going to be a you know like you can just spend some fire yeah. instead yeah that's but what i'm saying the, the problem is the problem is the fire being able to get fire out there easy enough because if you don't find your fire in time you could be subject to it because how much fire would Energy you run spinner. in this deck uh, my thought would be four three to three, three to four. four yeah that's probably right. what i would that's, say that's so, and then you got to run energy searches and that that's where that's when this okay. gets really tricky there's plenty I think, of I successful think, decks that have energy search. I know. I, I just, you know, I'm I'm more reminiscent to the past where where Requaza EX was a very good deck. Uh, I see a lot of the scenarios that the Requaza EX being good back then are similar to this time where a lot of decks didn't take a lot of one shots back then. It was a setup game and Requaza had the ability to do that. Yeah. And there were still bench attackers like uh, Lander CX was a very good deck back then that one shot at your Tynamos before they even got set up. Uh, you know, there's just a whole bunch of factors that are very similar to what the game is going through now. And that's why I think we're saying it's going to be good. Is it the correlation I, yeah. to the past to the current? No, I tend to agree, but I don't think we're going to get anywhere, you know, arguing this point. I think it was fun. I think uh, both sides of, of it had points, um, right. but we, we we do have, you know, more to say about, you know, other things that are important for this episode. So we're just going to kind of have to leave it at that and <laughs> see where we, you know, where we are in a couple months. And just like, uh, you know, you know, we'll see how how these I, decks do. And I'll have to say to Nick um, for, I will, for I, another I will time say, that, that I, I was I, right. 
I will have to say this for this one though is just that I think it again I think it's definitely an A tier deck just be and and I'll, I'll feel like okay it's just gonna come in it's gonna be just as effective it's gonna be a nice little wrench into the uh to the uh and weakness pull that you have to worry about but mm-hmm. at the same time that it might allow other decks that doesn't have to worry about that weakness pull at all and to, uh, to sneak in too so i think this will actually make the meta better in a sword and shield up only world yeah Oh, one last thing I do want to say, to, to be fair, um, that this deck is just shut down by Path to the Peak. And I think that's true right. with a lot of decks, um, to be honest. But I, we'll see how, you know, I, I really think baby prizers have their time to shine sh- soon, especially with that card. So, Well, which baby prizer do you feel uh, is going to really I, shine? Because I mean, they're, the two fire ones, are, I think, have a lot of potential. Um, there's there's a few others that I know that I, I haven't mentioned, uh, Mad Party or whatever. Um, but I think their time to shine is coming up soon. Well, uh, uh, but but well, that right, is right, that right. is what it is. We're gonna have to leave it at that because we still have a lot of meat of this conversation to go. Um, and you want to go ahead and read that trainer we were talking about. It's probably the last one we want to go with for the news, and then we'll go on to the the meat of the conversation. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, it is Raihan yep. trainer supporter. Uh, you can play only play this card if one of your Pokemon was knocked out during the opponent's last turn. Choose one basic energy card from your discard pile and attach it to one of your Pokemon. Search your deck for any one card and put it into your hand. Then shuffle your deck. You may play only one supporter card during your turn. Okay. I want so, Steve's thoughts. I want Steve's yeah, thoughts to start. Because this is, this is awesome. I, I'm, I'm very excited about this card personally. But Steve, what, what are you thinking about when you see this card? Uh, I think this is the type of card that these single one prize with decks were desperately looking for because there was not a lot of energy. Accel- the problem with these VMAXs is there's not a lot of, they don't require a lot of energy acceleration. So these single prize Pokemon that have low HP needed something to give them mm-hmm. quick energy attachments and still be able to find the specific cards in need. And this card mm-hmm. does both. You take one prize, I get to accelerate energy and look for that one missing card I needed to continue doing, doing what I want to do on my strategy. For sure. And I think this w- w- kind of goes to my point where uh, baby prizers have a chance to do well. I think maybe um, Charizard, Leon Charizard might actually be decent, especially after rotation, ADP leaving this coming in. Um, ADP Charizard does well against all the big decks except for ADP, um, you know, for obvious reasons. Um, so I think a deck like that would highly benefit from this card. I, I just want to note that you could technically knock out Rayquaza in one shot with Leonzard. Because <laughs> you can get to 330 yeah. with it. I know. That's incredible. That, that deck is really low-key under a lot of people's radar. Oh, uh, yeah, because of with, ADP, yeah. With the changes coming, I think that deck has a chance. Now, will it be S-tier? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know, but uh, it, it has a fighting chance to be relevant maybe in the meta. I agree. I, yeah, I, I want to, uh, like, real quick, uh, you know, I think after rotation, I, what I want to say is that I find it interesting that I believe a lot of decks that we're so used to playing right now are going to get a tier drop in general. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, compared to before. So like, 
moving forward, like, I mean, I'm excited for a little bit slower pace of a game in a way. And so that's what I'm looking forward to post rotation yeah. that this is going to be like, you know, compared to before things with, especially post welder and everything is just going to be a, um, you know, everything that might be S tier is going to be a tier in a way, but that might be the S tier of sword and shield and up, which would sure. be interesting. And this Raihan way this fits in is like you both, you know, both said like, this is mad party has a chance to return if the energy wasn't there uh, because they don't have a double energy. No, they, no, that's or, basic or, energy. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's basic here, but that's all you, you're not, you don't have twin energy and triple acceleration energy for mad party in, in post rotation. Yeah, you, you have, you got twin or one or the other. I forget which twin, one it twin is. Twin one. Rebel clash. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's good. Yeah. So, but this, this is, you can still now even run basic energy because you, well, that's four. That's not enough for them. They need almost all eight. For sure. All right. I think that's going to probably wrap it up for news. I, I, I think no matter how you feel about any of these cards, we're we're excited. (laughs) He, you know, was, we knew it was going to be a little bit of heated, uh, you know, (laughs) friendly banter back and forth, but no, that was a fun news segment. Um, Unfortunately, you know, we do have some really good topics and I think really important topics to, um, to talk about today um, outside of any kind of meta, um, but we're going to go straight into it. Um, IRL play is starting to open air in the States. Um, you, we're, we're having smaller leagues open up all around the country. Um, and with that being said, we're going to have regional style stuff opening up in the near future, hopefully um, in the trend that we're going. So I think we wanted to talk about, you know, in real play, in real life play, uh, do's and do nots um, and things to look out for as a, um, a as a IRL player, um, either if you're new to the game or new to the game since pandemic and PTCGO kind of helped you along. Or if you're just a veteran that maybe just you know, hasn't played IRL in forever and maybe have need a refresher on some, you know, to do's and to do uh, not to do's. Uh, yeah. yeah, I just want to state one quick thing. As of this recording that we're doing, official play has not returned. Yes. So, right. you know, these are not Pokemon leagues that are coming back. They are local gatherings of people who are playing Pokemon. Yes. Right. Uh, nothing official has come out yet. No, th- th- this no, is thank all you for that clarification. For, yes, yeah, for sure. Thank you. It's all, you know, our local governments allowing people or a certain amount of people who gather up in groups um, to, you know, to the safety, um, you know, regulations and everything like that. But it is a step towards uh, in real life play. So that's kind of why we wanted to have this discussion. So I want to I want to say one thing that's also really important when it comes to uh, coming to these events is don't forget food. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to, and this is why we want to, we're going to talk about how to handle certain situations, which is why we were really happy Steve could jump in on this discussion here today because him being a professor, he knows and being with the game so long. But, you know, remember when you're nice in your own home in a tournament and everything and you're playing on PTCGO, it's easy to quickly run to the restroom, yep. uh, grab a drink, get a snack in the middle of it. Uh, you got to bring <laughs> that to the event, you know, spill it all over you. Um, yeah. but you, you gotta, you gotta bring all that stuff with you. And a lot of people who, who are coming from the world of PTCGO only, there's plenty of listeners and players who just really started picking up during PTCGO play only. Um, tournament and have never gone to any miniature or tabletop or 
uh, trading card game tournament, um, mm-hmm. you have to be prepared for a whole day event, essentially, for sure. uh, especially for larger events. If there's going to be 70 plus people at these events, expect a really long day. Uh, and, you know, uh, you know, and if, you, if you're preparing to make day two, well, you know, you have to have your schedule cleared out for it. it you know, it, you get a taste of it with PTCGO, but, uh, you know, these actual events, there's a lot, there's a lot of time there and you know you you, you're not it's you know if you're you can't be taking phone calls and stuff in the (laughs) middle of a match at times so um but this is kind of the details we wanted to get into because again not a lot of people have this experience or they've forgotten and there are certain rules and way interactions that we need to cover to make sure that you feel comfortable at a live event yeah um so I want to start off with asking a couple um, things that you are allowed to do or not allowed to do. Um, and first and foremost, I think um, a lot of people want to know, is, are you allowed to take notes? And how, if yes, how are you allowed to take notes? Uh, yeah, you're allowed to take notes in, in real life play. Uh, Pokemon allows it. Uh, some of the things that they require, though, is you can't have any notes written in advance before mm-hmm. you show up, right? So, like, let's say uh, you can't have, like, strategies of how to beat certain matchups written in advance or you can't refer to those in any sort of way mm-hmm. um you can take notes they have to be uh clearly identifiable by an outside party uh so like they can't be like writ- written in some cryptic language that only you can understand um or you know of, of the nations they, they have to basically be written in the the language that is allowable in the region you're playing in okay um the notes, I would also recommend that uh, they start on a brand new sheet. That way you avoid the the pre-written notes from a previous matchup. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could right. basically write whatever you want to write as long as it's related to the game on those note sheets. It's a, but you are allowed to take notes. Cool, cool. And uh, as far as notes as well, that uh, kind of leads me into math. I know a lot of times doing that fast mental math um, can be difficult in a, in a game, especially when you're trying to keep pace of play. Are you allowed to do math? Um, do you have to just write it out? Um, calculators allowed? What kind of things like that? So, uh, <clears throat> yes, you. the only restriction of what cannot be brought as far as electronic devices is anything that can provide cellular service. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's written in the Pokemon rules, like you can't have a cell phone or you can't use your cell phone during the match. But I pretty there's nothing that you can't use a calculator. And but if you are taking notes anyways, you're allowed to do the mental math part on the note sheet. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a definitely important for sure. Real quick, Steve, this leads to a question of if your opponent asks you, hey, uh, does this equal 220 in damage? You get that clarification. How should a player handle that? Uh, you know, or like, what if you both did the math wrong? Uh, you know, like I, I can see a situation coming up where someone's just like, uh, is this 220? And they're like, yeah. And then it's like, ha ha, you know, someone be like, no, I, it was 200. Oh no. You know, you know what I mean? Like how has that been kind of handled in the past? Uh, well, so if you're intentionally trying to deceive your opponent from mm-hmm. what is happening in the current game, uh, that is unsportsmanlike conduct and can actually result into disqualification from the event. Mm-hmm. Uh, so generally, if my opponent is asking me, uh, hey, do you know how much this does? I'm just not going to respond. Uh, or, you know, I'd yeah. say, hey, man, you know, just declare your attack and 
we'll figure it out then. Because uh, I don't want to put the, myself in the situation to where I said something incorrect in that sense. Right, uh, right, right. But it, as the opponent, as you know, as you play the game, it, sh- it should be your responsibility to be able to tell me how much damage it does. Now, right. the opponent should be double-checking that after right. the attack has been declared, but you know, I'm not going to sit there and do the math for them. That may right. seem rude, but that's not no, my I job. I think that's completely fair, uh, to, uh, a fair point on your point. Um, as far as the last thing I want to ask about, as far as like note-taking, um, prizes. Um, obviously, you can't look at your prizes, but you could look at your deck, and if you have the checks to go through your deck, are you allowed to take notes on what, since I'm assuming, you know, as a player at, at regionals, you know what's in your deck, are you allowed to write down, you know, the cards that you're missing that are potentially in your prices? Yep, yep, you can. Now, the only, the only thing with note-taking is you can't let it disrupt your pace of play, mm-hmm. you know, that much, because then that's unfair to your opponent. Yeah, right? for sure. So if you're sitting there and you're taking a long time to write your notes down, uh, you know, you could be, get, you could get penalties associated to you for the length of time you're taking to do these things. Yep. Um, and uh, another question I do have as far as um, note taking is, yeah, I know you, you kind of uh, mentioned is readable to a third party. Is your opponent allowed to see um, your notes? Uh, no, I don't. Your opponent does not have the right to, uh, request to see your notes that you have taken, uh, but a professor or a judge or an event staff member has the right to examine the notes that you have taken to make sure you know they are within the rules. Yeah, for sure. Right, right. I think I think uh, opponents are allowed to request a judge to review the opponent's notes. Yeah, to, uh, to make sure that they are within the rules. So that that is something uh, that can't be called. I, I was looking that up too. I was thinking about that the other day after no, we that's, were that's... Pre- pre-talking about this. <laughs> right. For sure. And then um, one last thing that kind of goes into what we were just talking about here. Um, when you are checking your prizes, I know a few people have asked on the Discord or in person talk- talking. Um, I know generally you want to keep a, a quick pace of play, but those first couple turns usually, or the first turn is usually a little bit longer because you know players in, at these high events are looking through their prize or, uh, your, their prize cards or their deck to find out what their prize cards are. Um, what is considered a reasonable amount of time you, or a ballpark on your first turn checking prizes? I mean, I would say if you're going, if you're spending more than a minute or two, you're mm-hmm. probably exceeding the time limit there. Uh, you need to be quick about it, you know, not yeah. in the sense that you're rushing, but you also can't sit there and say like, you know, do a depth count of every single card, one card at a time of your list. You know, yeah. it can't be five minutes because then once again, that is unfair to your opponent right? for taking too much time on your first initial search. For sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that being said, I think that's about it for the actual note taking. Um, and now we kind of did talk about judge calls. Um, so what is the best way to handle, um, any dispute or judge calls? Um, is there anything other than just raising your hands, calling judge, um, kind of go into hold that whole process when you do have a judge call? Uh, so a, if you are unsure about anything that has happened in the game that you feel like could affect the outcome of the game call a judge you know don't be that type of person says like you know uh i you know i should have called a judge because they did this or you know they did Mm -hmm. 
be be proactive of calling a judge, right? Now that mm-hmm. doesn't mean every time I'm going to play quick ball and I haven't quite discarded my card instantly, right? <laughs> that you go judge, right. you know, you raise your hand and you yell judge. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if, if you felt like there is something that has happened in the game or that you notice something that is off in the game, please call a judge because the long the longer it takes for you to call this out and the more the game has progressed the harder it is for the judge to correctly fix the situation or return the game, return the game back to the original state. It was before the mistake was made. I should, I guess is what the technical right. term is what we try to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so when, when judges called players, uh, my understanding of it is players should basically stop the game where it's at. Stop looking through yep. a deck, stop doing this, put basically put the cards down, you know, hands off the table in kind of a way uh, and just wait for the judge to show up because, you know, you, you don't want to be like, well, I was just shuffling my deck. And it's like, no, 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 no. You're like, it's, it's a full shutdown. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I would also notify your opponent you're about to do it because there's nothing more intimidating to your opponent than just being all of a sudden your opponent yells across the table, judge, and you're like, hey, what, what, what happened? Like, just say, hey, man, I'm about to call a judge and just give him a fair warning, right? Yeah, yeah that's a good point. That's a great point. So we're kind of jumping all over the place as far as like um, relevant things that we were talking about pre-recording, uh, um, but talking about judge calls kind of brings me to my next point. And what happens if um, you know your opponent misplays a card? Um, I know a lot of a lot of um, these things are done automatically on PTCGO, and nobody's really had a lot of experience for the most part with cards like Marnie. Um, putting it to the bottom so say your opponent does use marnie incorrectly and just shuffles it back into their hand um what what are kind of you know as a judge what are you know the actions you're going to take on a misplay of a card like that and and how do you deal with it so conveniently actually when marnie first came out there was a pretty lengthy uh post within the professor community of what is the proper penalty for this type of interaction? Like, let's say instead of putting it on the bottom, you shuffle the cards in your deck or, you know, right. You know, what, what is the proper handling? And I think it's been widely determined that is a game loss type play. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Cause you can't restore the game state back. Cause it's hard to verify what exact cards were in your hand because your hand is private knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> On Marnie specifically, uh, you know, if you do anything other than what the card says, it's probably going to be a game loss. Okay, yeah, that 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 makes a lot of sense because it is you know, private information for sure. Um, that well, also, like, real quick, Jake, before we move on, Marnie is such a good example to bring up on this one again uh, and understanding this is that is such an easy one to mistake, and I have done it too. Like Zach, I think we all have. <laughs> yeah, like it, it happens, it, and it's again these are these things that automatically done on as you said automatically done on ptcgo that players who aren't used to doing this are gonna you're gonna make that mistake and it's okay you accidentally have made that mistake uh but here's the real consequences for it there's no you know as much as you know when you go to an actual larger event and stuff you know people are playing to have fun but also to win and yeah. so it, uh, you know, this is, these are the rules and, you know, like it is impossible 
like I, I think when I did it, Zach would Zach was like, Hey, like it's gonna count for a loss for you. And I was like, Yeah, that makes sense. And he's just like, and I was like, you know, I asked my opponent, like, do can we just continue? Like, I know what the card was at the time, and we could reset from there. And he's like, Oh, yeah. But still, it's not a true reset because I had shuffled the deck. So yeah. whatever I had before is already changed in that sense. You know, it it, it it's it, it seems harsh at first. It seems harsh to be like, that's an instant loss, but it, the game, this game can be so dependent on, you know, an action interaction like Marty that, yeah, it justifies the loss right then and there. So, yeah, I, I agree. So as far as other almost auto loss situations um, that are, IRL play that kind of does automatically. I'm assuming um, forgetting your prize cards um, and then starting the game. Uh, well, it depends on once again how far the game state has happened, right? Has has progressed, I should say. If it is turn one and I drew a card and I attached basic energy and then I realize, oh, my prize cards are missing, right? Like the game can be potentially reversed into a state to where it can be restored and progressed without a significant advantage being gained from forgetting. Yeah. Uh, if you know you shuffle your hand and your deck and you <clears throat> you know of like of a type of, of a type of card like that, shuffling your hand in your deck or or causing um a way that the game can't be reversed back, then it's going to be put into a game loss state. Um, but generally, if it's not caught early enough in those type of situations, yeah, the game is just too late to revert right. back to it's normal. And, and then, again, I think that it's unfortunate, but I, I agree with that ruling if you do forget something like that. So definitely, these are things to be aware of as you know going into IRL play um, basically two years later um, at, at best. So things to pay attention as players. Um, don't forget to do your actions um, correctly and don't forget to put the, the irreversible um, cards down, um, like prize cards early enough. Also, also just to kind of add on to this, make sure that throughout the play, you're clear of what your opponent is trying to do, right? Mm -hmm. We've all had those moments of where we've uh, spaced out in the middle of a game Right. And then we've come back and looked mm -hmm. at it and be like, oh, there's a Marty on the table. I'm going to now Marty or you know, use the effect of Marty. And yeah. I realized, oh, my opponent Eldegost right. put the Marty on the table to show the target to put in his hand. He has actually not played that card yet. Yeah. Right. So, right. Make sure yeah. your opponent um, actually declares Marty before um, shuffling your hands. <laughs> right. Or, or, you know, you're spacing out and then your opponent has laid down the Eldegoss and said, oh, I'm going to get Marnie back. And then you're like, oh, Marnie. And you start shuffling your hand and start getting it ready to use the effect. I, I think we've all done that. <laughs> Just kind of like you said, spacing out for sure. Um, another another instance I, I want to ask about um, as far as like just timing. So like this is a, a good example, like Senna Scorch VMAX. Like if he uses his big attack and his, his attack states that you take an energy from the discard pile and puts it in, onto your um, Pokemon. Now, if your opponent starts his play and you haven't declared that or you forgot to declare that, when is kind of that window where it's like irreversible? Uh, that's like a, a tough situation to determine because, uh, you know, the card says, you know, you may attach a fire energy. So yeah, it's right. not necessarily mandatory so i would say that 
you know, if it's not caught fail really early on to, into your opponent's next turn, uh, it's probably just too late. Yeah. You so know, if your opponent's it, starting to play cards and then like halfway through, you're like, you're, you're sequencing through your, your turn and then your opponent's like, Oh yeah, I forgot to put an energy on too late. Yeah. I mean, and that, you know, that's obviously if your opponent is like that type of person to where you've declared the attack and they start immediately going to their next turn. Cause they know that you didn't knock it out and not giving you a chance to do those type of effects. You yeah. should, you know, leniency would be given, but you no, know, make sure that you are completing all your actions before your opponent has, you know, progressed onto their turn. Yeah, right. I you think should it's... ask. You should ask. Uh, it it is now my turn, right? Like, I, and state, I am drawing. Like, draw yeah. for turn. Like, also, I think uh, it's important as the attacker to say, "I'm going to hit you," and then take my energy out of my discard. Yeah, or, right. or something to that effect. Like, it like is you cl- said, to declare everything declare that you're doing you're... out loud. And make sure it's clear and understood. And yes, it, we will. It, it, everyone's going to get into a groove of you know doing certain things because you know as you start playing more in IRL, you're going to be like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah you, 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 I know what you're going to do. Yeah, like professors. Okay, like you don't have to say you're discarding and drawing seven cards to me every time. Like most people are going to know that. But like you know, there's there's cards like um you know bruno and people are like you know like you know why'd you why'd you draw seven this turn oh oh i should have only drawn four you know like just to read out you know sometimes if you're playing in irl just read out your card out loud again to make sure that you're doing it right too Mm -hmm. and that your opponent understands what you're doing right a lot i think that most players don't realize, or you know, newer players may not realize, it is both your and your opponent's responsibility to make sure the game state is correct. Right. So yes. if something breaks, you know, the penalty can technically be assessed on both players. The one that making the mistake would usually get the heavier penalty, but you could get the penalty assessed against you right. for yeah. being the opponent and not keeping track of game state also. For right. sure. There's, yeah. so, there's so many things that can be, um, you know, jarred throughout the game so definitely just pay attention to the board say even if it's not your turn and well, make sure everything's right like math could be wrong um double check and you're not like it's not like you're not trusting your opponent but it's always good to double check on any of these kind of interactions you know what we just this brings up a great pr- I thought here okay so steve let's go through a scenario here and jake you know this kind of stuff too um you're observing a game okay you're mm-hmm. sitting off to the side it is not your match it is your buddy it's your best friend playing and you see someone made a math error or you see someone made a rule error what the most steve steve like i'm gonna go to you for this answer but you know what should you do at that point like what what should you do when you see that kind of stuff if you're sitting off to the side and you see a error in the game being made Uh, you should find an appropriate staff member whether it be a judge or something and inform them of the gameplay error that has occurred uh, you know, so that situation can be effect or can be corrected, which actually kind of happened uh, once when I was watching when I was at the 2017 NAIC, I believe it was the seniors finals, uh, or it might have been the the semifinals or something. But uh, there was an incorrect amount of damage placed on a Pokemon, and I made a comment in the audience sitting there, and there was a staff member sitting in front of me. And they heard that comment and they're like, oh. And so they walkie-talkie did it and it went up to the chain and it got fixed live on stage during the main event. Wow. There we go. But you didn't yell it where everybody could hear like, yeah, you're doing it wrong. 
Well, I mean, the players probably couldn't hear you anyways, but yeah, yeah, I don't sit there and scream. You know, you just respectfully just find the staff member who's in charge and and correct the and tell them that hey, this there's an error that happened and it needs to be corrected. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's something. And it, it, and here's the worst part: you should do that too, even if it's against your friend. Because right, correct. Because yeah. you gotta get, you want the game to be played out fair. Your friend deep down wants the game to be played out fair. And as much as it might be what makes them lose, it's what needs to be done because they, they you know, they, otherwise, you know, it can cause a lot of issues. We've seen it before in other games. It can cause issues down the road. Like I've seen someone went three rounds in another tabletop game of ours and played in the illegal list the whole time and went three rounds out of a six round tournament before someone went, oh, hey, that's not that's not legal and then they had to then the whole day was messed up and there was 125 people there so that caused a huge mess for the judges um for sure and 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 it turned out and it turned out their friend knew that their friend was you know so that, that someone knew that they were playing it wrong and they were so afraid to speak up about it that it messed up basically half the day um so you know, just it, it's just you got to be open. You got to be honest about it. And it, it's not that what we're what I'm not trying to say and allude to is, you know, you got to be, a, you know, looking out for it the whole time. Just observe the game. But you have to stay quiet, too, at the same time. It's not your job to come over and correct it yourself. Get an for efficient, sure. get an actual TO, get a judge to come over and do that, because that is not your job. You're either playing or you're off to the side. Correct. Sure. All right, so the next kind of um, bit I want to go into is what materials um, slash like markers, dice, um, um, should you be bringing and what is considered legal or illegal to bring to the table as far as markers? So the way the Pokemon words in the rulebook, which can all be found on Pokemon's website, by the way, uh, but they word that you need to bring all materials necessary to play the game. Now, what does that mean? You need to bring some sort of randomization means, whether it be a dice or a die, I guess is the appropriate term, uh, damage condition markers, uh, status condition markers. Um, you need to, you know, until, I guess this might not be that much of affecting uh, standard play in the next couple months, but you GX. know, make sure you GX marker, <laughs> uh, those are about to rotate out and become useless. But you know, in the meantime, you still need to bring those. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you just need to make sure that you have the necessary materials to bring to play the game that you know the deck that you're playing for sure right um on top of that though um so those are all things that pokemon will provide you in a lot of products you can buy um one thing that i have not seen and um that pokemon provides but i've seen other players use irl um is like a a marker similar to like a gx but maybe like a support marker to remind players you know hey i have supported this or i've used a supporter this turn i have not um one are they legal to um how will that affect the gameplay if so uh i mean they're legal i don't well i guess i should say pokemon has no rules against them right right? so there's nothing to say that you can or can't bring these uh you just got to be careful that as you're using these that is just more stuff for you to keep track of like Mm -hmm. making sure you remove those markers off every single time Mm -hmm. uh because you know if they stay on then technically they could be used against you also. Yeah. Right. Um, 
Right. So, if you forgot to flip that supporter token that you've been using, they could be like, no, you played a supporter. And right. then, yeah, and I can then, see you world for that. For sure. Yeah. And like, again, I'm not saying people will be actively against you doing that, but it happens and it's, it's frustrating when it does happen against you. So, um, yeah. Right. And but I mean, it, it could be uh, equally frustrating if your opponent goes like, hey, I'm playing professors. And then later on on their same turn, they're like, oh, I'm going to Marty you. It's like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> and sometimes yeah. that might help that situation kind of a thing yeah and that that's right. always going to create those sticky situations because then you have to start looking through the discard pile and start replaying back what they did last turn and, right or you know mm -hmm. that turn and showing you like no you played this card then yeah for and sure. if those situations ever come up once again that is a perfect opportunity to call a judge yeah <laughs> judge all right on to the next um discard pile um there's a couple things here uh, that we want to ask about. Um, first and foremost, um, there are lots of decks that really change math or abilities or things like that. Um, and that a lot of people I've seen like put them to the side, like for like mad partiers or like a or a Mewtwo Mew deck that has whatever GX attacker that they're discarding, they typically will put to the side. Or even like Leon's art, I've put, I've put like how many Leons you have in the discard pile just to the side. So it's common knowledge for both. Um, is that allowed? Uh, you are not allowed to have two separate discard piles, if right. that is what the question is asking. Yes. You can orient the discard pile in different manners to show to have certain cards stick out that you need to pay attention to. Uh, so, for instance, you know, Mewtwo and Mew, right? You're mm -hmm. allowed to uh, have those Pokemon rotated at a different degree of your discard okay. pile from within the pile to show, so, you know, you can quickly reference those cards, but they can't sit as a separate pile next to your normal discard pile. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. like, if you're using something like Mad Party, my advice is uh, use dice to keep track of it. Okay. Just whenever you take your count, right, just play two sets of dice to keep help you keep count of how many you have in the discard pile it's good for you and your opponent for sure now also uh, we've had a question on our discord uh, very similar or very related to this here uh zoro dad asks um what is the unspoken rule about how often you're allowed to pick up your opponent's deck and and look through the cards or price or look through their cards for whatever um they have in the discard pile um that can kind of be playing into the mew to mew or the math for mad party or just for what they want to see so how often as a player is it kind of acceptable and what's the process of actually picking up your opponent's cards uh, so <clears throat> i mean you can check your opponent's discard pile obviously yes it's public knowledge but if it is affecting the pace of play uh significantly i would you know i would probably say something if my opponent kept doing it so like if they looked at it and then they set it back down and then immediately picked it back up or, you know, requested to pick it back up immediately after that a bunch of times throughout the, the turn. Uh, I mean, I probably would say something because it's affecting pace of play. Um, or if it's affecting my pace of play on my turn, right? Yeah. I need to look through my discard pile to complete my turn, but you mm -hmm. have my discard pile. Uh, you know, I would say, you know, you should give it back to your opponent so that they can finish their turn and, you know, in a proper manner. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think there's like an unspoken rule of how many times, you know, you could say you could look through the pile, but just have common sense. Right. I, right. I guess is what I'm saying is don't sit there and have basically your opponent's discard pile be your secondary discard pile because it's cur 
constantly sitting by you because you're looking for yeah. it all the time. No, no right. I agree. No, yeah, I mean, exactly. Just use common knowledge. I would say, maybe like generally, uh, I'll look through it maybe one or two times a game, depending on right. you know the 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 point. But like, if it's a bigger game, I get it. If you need to look through it, if it's a fair like, uh, if, three, if four, it is an intense right. moment, it's more understandable, right? That yeah. right, right. Looking like, through your penis file. Yeah. Right. Uh, and we've had and, and, games and, like that ourselves between the two of us. It's like, oh, what did you have there again? Like coming yeah. down to the wire. So I mean, it is understandable, but generally, I would I would say probably two two times is about average. Yeah, two or three times. You yeah. know, it, 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 I guess it depends on the strategy of your deck. If you're a control deck, you might do it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You no, know? uh, well, I, I think I think the, the the great portion of asking this question is to get fact. This is another auto thing that PTCGO has done for players for so long, and the, or in the fact that it's so easy that you don't yeah, actually you have to ask your opponent. You just <laughs> click it. You click either or, um, and you, you quickly go through those, and and so it's so much faster. And that's I think the thing that a lot of players are forgetting is how easy it is to go through a deck online versus is it's a little bit slower. But at the same time, you should be playing as if that PTC show clock is on you. And in my mind, because like that pace of play is still actually pretty accurate in my my mind of yeah. how to play the game, even though those certain little things, flipping a scroll wheel is faster yeah, or sliding your finger across is faster digitally. But it's, you know, again, you, you if you're practicing, if you're playing, if you're prep, doing your prep work, you can still quickly go through a, a deck pretty fast and be right. like okay i know what they have in their discard or i know what i have in my deck boom down to play and that pace of play is such a i think will be the biggest shock to irl play for players yeah i, I agree and i would also before you touch anything of your opponents uh oh, ask yeah. permission right um don't just reach over across the table <laughs> and grab the discard pile just like hey making a discard pile. this is mine right. now yeah well especially like, coming off of the pandemic right like this is now like this yeah, is going to be actually where- a pandemic thing too Right. Like, so yeah. a lot of people, if, if you don't, pers- here's, I, if you don't feel comfortable with people touching your cards, you probably shouldn't be going to the event at this time. Unfortunately, it's just it, 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 because people need to touch those cards. They need to look through your discard or your, you know, like they need to take a look. People are going to ask to touch or read and, you know, they're not going to wait for you to read the cards out to you. For sure. That would really significantly impact the base of play. And I kind of so, want to, Oh, you go. Sorry. Oh, no, that's why it's just, it is, you know, you have to be comfortable with IRL play before you want to go out and play IRL play. Um, And we hopefully see everyone still at the same time. I think I want to rewind just a little bit here. You said bring snacks and stuff. I think it's still important. um, Although the pandemic seems to be in an uptick or in a, in a recovering state that hand sanitizer is still a good thing. And it's still respectful, especially if you're going to go ahead and touch other people's stuff. Um, so I would say at least bring some hand sanitizer um, at the very least to, you know, it, at, at very least just to be respectful to your opponent, especially if you're touching their stuff. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there's definitely, uh, you know, I remember playing the tournament and not necessarily, you know, ever making that consideration, but definitely, you know, the pandemic has taught us something that sanit- sanitization is very important. Yeah, for sure. I, 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 I'm leading into that. Don't be eating during a game yeah. with cheetos or something so, and touching my cards well, i will so not I let you touch will, my cards i will get disqualified <laughs> happily by reaching across the table and smacking you in the face <laughs> get I think, cheetos you know, away from me <laughs> the, the one good thing that pokemon and you know these tos and events do is they ban eating 
right, uh, in right. the play area right, and those type right. of things. Like if you would go to an IC, right? Right. They have big signs. You know, as you walk in, there's supposed to be no food or drink within the play area. You know. Right. Take it to a side table if you're going to do that. For sure. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the other thing, I'll, I'll, it's 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 a big elephant in the the room kind of thing situation is um if you've never gone to an irl play before in a large one please wear deodorant and be prepared because it happens from time to time where people forget uh so uh, i only yes. bring that up because oh jake remember nova that was oh, rough. yeah <laughs> Oh yeah, no, that was rough. That was that is more notorious for tabletop games, but it still happens. Um, they actually put in that year in the Nova gift bag was sticks of deodorant <laughs> just to promote better bo. And get no, it's just it, it's you won't notice it if you're in the heat of the moment, and then you might pause in the middle of a game and like take a sniff, and then all of a sudden you go, oh. <laughs> oh, trust me, I, I'm one of those type of players where I notice it immediately. Right, right. I my opponent has been like that. And, and sure. here's a funny thing: if you wear a mask, actually during an event, um, it actually helps prevent that you don't actually smell it. Uh, I, I have seen that be pretty effective. So for sure, for sure. You okay. know, go, go ahead, Steve. No, no. You I was go say, go ahead, go ahead. Quick, uh, you know, as much as I agree the pandemic, I think you know I might even consider wearing a mask from now on when I go to these large events and it's not part of it is to not get sick, but like, you know, I've noticed that like, I haven't even had a cold, not, not right. some wood there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Same <laughs> wearing a mask. Same like here. if I'm going to a large event with thousands of people there, I might wear a mask. And I think it's socially acceptable for sure. I mean, it should be, I mean, be, we, yeah. if the last year and a half plus has taught us anything, it's like even COVID aside, I'm the same way. I haven't, gotten sick and i would normally get sick maybe four or five six times a year um and right. in the last year and a half i have not right it's not like you're in an outside area area you're talking you're in, in like some of these small tight areas that have seats that are way too close to people that you've never met before and yeah. if they are in the bigger event areas the seats are still too close to people that you've never met before um mm -hmm. and people sneeze and it's really frustrating, um, at least for someone like me. So, uh, you know, it, it, it happens from time to time. And I'm, I'm on the same boat with you, Steve. I'll probably be wearing masks more uh, often than not at these kind of things just because yeah. of personal safety and health. And But, I mean, I, these, oddly, I, I joke and laugh about some of these things because I can't wait to get back into playing them. And these are the weird thought side things that I don't miss or, right. you know, fr from them because I love playing in, in real life, but man, I'll tell you what, it's really nice to be able to go use my own restroom. I've got to course correct a little bit now, yes, We've been yes, a little yes. bit off topic. So I want to get back into um, gameplay and things that you shouldn't do or, or things that are acceptable um going into your deck say you were going to quick ball and then maybe pokemon communication and you state or is it is it legal to state to your opponent hey i'm going to use this pokeball to get x pokemon and then pokemon communication to turn that pokemon into this or any kind of number of interactions that are like that we're going to go do multiple interactions in one turn going through your deck instead of going through your deck shuffling going through your deck shuffling um what is the kind of um you know the process there or is that allowed uh i mean it, it's a lot 
I should say it's encouraged to do that, right? To take actions that require deck searching uh, at the same, or, you know, not necessarily at the same time, but back to back if possible without shuffling your deck in between the times. Um, maybe not necessarily playing like, you know, I'm going to play quick ball followed by another quick ball. I mean, you could do that, right? Or, you know, mm-hmm. two unique actions, but that are accomplishing a similar goal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I might say, all right, I'm playing a quick ball, discard the card, get the Pokemon I want, and then play the ne- next quick ball immediately. I may not play them both down at the same time. You know, just for me as a player, right? Oh, I got to discard a card each time. Maybe I don't want to discard, you know, based off what I see, I might want to discard a different card. Right. Um, but right. technically, I think in the rule book, right, if you complete, and this is like where like this like awkward like rule sharking thing comes into play is if you perform an action and then go to perform another action, you know, it could be interpreted that I have failed that first action right. and are now moving on to the second action. So be careful because people can rule shark you on that. You know, is that encouraged? No, but it can happen. So I would always ask your opponent, hey, is it okay if I do these at the same time, right? Yeah. Right. No, Some people might feel important. uncomfortable with it by doing a weird thing. Like I think the double quick ball is a good example because you might go in, forgot that you actually didn't have that second one. And you're like, well, I want to take that back. And it's like, hold on, but you just declared two ahead of time and you discarded already one, like both cards like take it i I think steve you bring up do like quick ball is one of those ones do them one at a time even though you plan on going in do it one at a time but don't shuffle in between and waste time right right yep do do all actions that you want to complete on your turn that that would require a shuffle you know and then shuffle shuffle and then proceed with your next actions right okay cool yeah yeah that's that's a very important note to think uh because pace of play is a big thing, even if you're not intentionally slow playing, I think just playing in real life is slower, especially with the amount of shuffling oh, that there is in this game. Mm-hmm. So um, it is, you know, be mindful of all that and, and you know, of pace of play. But you did say something about shuffling. So um, as far as going shuffling, um, cutting your opponent's deck um, and or shuffling it for them after the fact, um, what are the rulings on that? Uh, the rules state that you're allowed to do a single cut meaning that you take a portion of their deck, you set it aside, and then take the next portion and put it right on top. There is no, I'm going to make 12 piles Mm -hmm. and do this weird cut. You could do that, or you can sit there and grab the deck and actually shuffle it, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And then if you do that, your opponent has the right to then cut the deck after you shuffled your opponent's deck. Right. So So as... Say I shuffle, my opponent sh- uh, shuffles my deck, I can now cut my deck as it is my deck. Correct. Right? Because and my also, to touch it. correct. And uh, if your opponent only chooses to cut your deck after you have shuffled, you are not allowed to alter the order of that deck anymore any okay. further beyond the game that you know yeah. a, a card would allow you to do. Yeah. Right. Now, as far as your opponent shuffling, um, as far as the randomization, I get it. Um, but a lot of people have issues, like a lot of people play pretty cards. Um, now, are you allowed to bridge shuffle or what are, what's the aspect of it? If, if you were to shuffle my deck, could I request you to just do, you know, the, the, uh, whatever the, uh, not, not, um, bending the cards? Uh, yeah. If you're shuffling your opponent's deck, just please don't, <laughs> don't bridge shuffle. Don't right? bridge shuffle. Just don't bridge shuffle. Like, I understand that that's how you may treat your cards, but you know. 
it's your opponent. They're not your cards. They're your opponent's right. cards. Like, yeah. Good just point. do the 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 mass shuffle or whatever they call it. You know, where you take a portion of your deck and you just combine it with the next portion of the yeah, deck. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yep. Don't don't be bending your opponent's cards. That's that's just rude. <laughs> if that did happen, could that be a judge situation? <sighs> I mean, if you if you did not feel comfortable uh, shuffling, you know, having your opponent shuffle your deck in that sense, I mean, you could call a judge mm-hmm. on that and have them shuffle it for you. Uh, <sighs> if I, I, these I, are I, like I, gray areas I, for sure. I, I think what would end up happening there would be like the judge would give a warning in terms of like, please don't bridge shuffle anyone's duck anymore. And, right, and, then, like, and then, then they would move on uh, it, kind of thing. Yeah. It's just such an, yeah. It, it's such a gray area that like, if it's happening to you, like I would say something and say like, look, I don't care if you shuffles. I just don't want them to bending my cards doing this right. shuffling just, method. Yeah, There's other be... ways to randomize your deck. Yeah, you, you just got you got to be um, thoughtful to your opponent. We're right. we're all here just playing a game, having fun. We're all trying to win, but don't 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 do things like that. So, right. Okay, I think the last thing I really want to talk about is just general pace of play. I know we kind of touched on it here or there. Well, um, real quick, Jake, can I jump okay. in? Uh, yeah, yeah, with yeah, yeah, a, yeah. Uh, on, on speaking of cards again, tournament requirements for cards, uh, everyone should look up one. First of all, everyone should read what the actual rules are for tournament play, especially where, when you go to an event, first of all. Um, that should be done ahead of time. But most importantly, uh, Steve, can you elaborate on the rulings of what needs to be on your cards, uh, like the, the, the sleeves for cards? So mm-hmm. uh, specifically, uh, double sleeve cards, do they all need to be double sleeved? And secondly, the, the the type of uh, sleeves that are on those cards. Yeah, so the pick one rules actually add a pretty good section of what is allowed and not allowed. Um, you are allowed to have one of two options: either a completely solid color back of your card, mm-hmm. or any official Pokemon sleeve. Product. Okay. But, okay. You know, so, like, if you get that Blastoise V Max deck or the Pokemon Trainer. Uh, sleeves those are okay because they came directly from pokemon correct uh yeah i think what and even if they have official pokemon sleeves i think i think they design all their sleeves to be this way but the borders should be a solid color if they're right. an official pokemon they are. sleeve. They are. yeah um, yeah like like the like most of them are like a solid blue like for the blastoise or green for the venusaur and like those even that pokemon trainer one it's a solid black border and that's just yeah. for uniformity yeah, uh, and then you're allowed inner sleeves and outer sleeves, uh, but they all have to be, once again, follow the same rules, be a solid color or an official Pokemon, which I don't think they make those, you know, for inner or outer sleeves. Right. But, uh, and also if one card is, you have to have all cards be completely identical. I cannot That's... sit there and identify what a card is based off how it's sleeved. Right, right. Uh, so, you know, no scratches on the sleeves, no bends on the sleeves. Uh, you know, you don't want any distinguishing between any card. I should not be able to pull this card out because I see it's marked and know what card it is every single time because it's marked. Right, right. So, again, if you have, uh, if just for clarity and make sure I understood this too, if you have one card double-sleeved, all your cards have to be double-sleeved for the event. Correct. Correct. Okay, thank you. Makes sense. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, and yeah, like I was saying, um, last kind of, we kind of touched on it here and there, but just general pace of play. Um, can you touch on that um, a little bit more? I think this will be the biggest shock for people when they return 
to in real life play if you have yeah. never played in real life is how much slower the game is in person because where you get spoiled with ptcgo doing stuff automatically like shuffling shuffling is like a one second action on ptcgo in real life it's like a 15 to 30 second action right and you only get 50 minutes and and it is extremely difficult you know to play three complete full good games of pokemon in 50 minutes yeah uh usually you know and that's what players are going to have to learn how to play as they get more in-person play is knowing Mm -hmm. when to just accept a loss go into game two or game three before too much time is drained off the clock um but so yeah in that situation say um you're winning game game one and i i just uh dropped you at that point for that given game um say you're you're playing at a reasonable pace let's just say like you know you're taking 15 seconds or so for you know in the 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 a lot of time to make decisions but then game two now that you're winning um you're all of a sudden taking like a minute 30 um what should you do in that situation instantly call a judge yeah Mm -hmm. well well okay i would tell my opponent hey man you should like pick up the pace of play a little bit right like if you notice a chain and if they're not fixing it or if they give you an attitude or some some sort of it call a judge yeah and you know that is the one that is the hardest thing to determine as a player is is my opponent intentionally slow playing me or not or you know because slow playing is cheating right yes if you have changed your pace of play purposely to gain a benefit to yourself you have now you're now cheating yeah yeah just try to keep your your pace of play i think at a consistent level and we all know that in certain specific moments in in a given game it could take you a little bit longer but if if you're consistently staying at the same pace um, I don't think your opponent's ever going to think that you're intentionally slow playing them. Uh, I mean, it, it is really obvious sometimes. Sorry, Steve, I didn't mean to interrupt, but it, it yeah. is very fa- fairly obvious at times when someone changes pace significantly, not for a single action, but when they, it's like as the game moves on and they see it, it's not in their favor. And it's like, I'm going to play quick ball. And like the first turn a while ago, they went quick ball and, whoop, you know, back done and had it shuffled, kept moving on. And then it's like turn three and they're like, I'm playing quick ball and then they just take forever. And that's right. like the, in, in those, it is, it is, it is, it, you'll see it. And it is, is some people are very obvious about it. Other people are subtle about it and they unintentionally will do this. They will be very, I think it will be very unintentional at first. They're just going to be like a panic thoughts in their head. Like, what do I do? 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 And then they're just going to be like quick ball. What yeah. do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And they're like, you know, and like that's going to go through their head. And it's not that they're trying to cheat. They're just, they're just lost. So, uh, but, but then it, it will be, but again, as Steve said, it is cheating. It is slow play. You know, if, you know, if you're not sure before going out to a massive tournament, just play with some friends for a little bit and be put yourself in a terrible situation and see how you handle that. Yep. Yeah. It, it is it is going to be a very difficult transition for people that have never played in real life to understand these, the, you know, knowing when to give up and knowing how long a game takes and mm-hmm. when is it, you know, good to sit there like, I need to scoop this up, go to game three, because I got to have, you know, at least 15 minutes to finish a game three. Right. For sure. Right. Right. Okay, so I, I think that's about going to do it for my end. If, Nick, you had any other questions for Steve when it comes to IRL play? 
No, I, I mean, the only thing I've asked uh, Steve here is what you're most excited about IRL play. Like what, what, what major, what, like, what event size are you looking most forward to? Because I think that's something that you have a greater perspective on than Jake or I here uh, for Pokemon TCG. Uh, I think, honestly, I think going to uh, internationals again, because we we're, we're lucky in this Pittsburgh area to have an IC that's not too far away from us. Uh, mm-hmm. Generally, it's you know held in Columbus or Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, that's only a couple hours drive at worst case scenario, but the Pokemon puts on a phenomenal tournament, you mm-hmm. know, just everything around it, not even just the play itself. The, the main stage is, you know, the viewing area is fantastic. They have side events, you know, they have when Sword and Shield was coming out during, you know, pre pandemic, they had Sword and Shield demos, you know, they, it's an amazing experience. And I just want to, you know, go back to those type of events. No, I'm looking forward to those uh, for sure. I can't wait to get going and meet, you know, uh, the people that are semi-local to us, you know, within like a three, four hour driving, uh, um, you know, range um, beyond that too. Just um, looking forward to it for sure. Cool. Well, yeah. I guess that's about going to do it for us. Um, before we, you know, end the cast, Steve, do you have any shout outs or plugs that you want to give to anybody? Uh, You know, I... You can follow me on Twitter at stevethegood18. Uh, I, I will admit I'm not the most active tweeter, so <laughs> you know, I don't know how interesting that would be for you. But you know, there's other ways to contact me. If you know, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, you know, that's probably the best way to to get in contact with me. Is I'm still one of those boomers that use Facebook <laughs> and not Instagram and Twitter. Um, Such you know. a boomer. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, I'm one of those old, oldies guys. But yeah, that's cool. You know, also, you know, if you're in the local Pittsburgh area, check out, you know, uh, Heroes Inc. Comics. You know, that's where we play every Thursday night. Uh, it's a great, great store. You know, mm-hmm. employees are extremely nice. You know, community is warm. Come out, learn how to play. It'll be a great time. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... You know, we'll have links to, uh, to that in the uh, show notes. But also, thank you again, Steve, for jumping on here yeah. today. Uh, there's a lot to learn about. And, you know, we look forward to players being able who have enjoyed PTCGO to really enjoy coming out in IRL play. And so this we hope this information it helps translate over into uh, seeing you out there. And, you know, if you see Jake or I, uh, you know, come you know come say hello uh we'll be yeah. at these events and uh i think we'll be pretty identifiable i don't know about you yeah, Jake. i think we're, we're gonna get some custom shirts i think so by, <laughs> by the time this comes out so yeah definitely come and say hi and uh you can't wait to meet um everybody that we haven't got to actually see in real life but uh i think that's gonna about do it for us so i'll just say bye there all right and yeah uh so thank you again for joining us here at the triple p the pittsburgh pokemon podcast uh if you want to follow us on twitter at, at pit pokey pod uh, and you can also message jake at panux one and myself at duke of hobbies uh and join the discord channel we'd have a lot of interesting discussions just like in this episode with the uh, requaza being terrible and with that uh we're out see ya nick's batted x-wing Stick around after a short little message uh, and get to hear Jake and Steve go at it regarding ADP.
Hey, this is Duke of Hobbies again with a message regarding the next Triple P Saturday Select, which is actually this Saturday, June 12th at 6 p.m. Come join us. I will not be there personally, but Jake is going to be hosting and commentating with another guest host. And we'll be bringing all the intense action over at twitch.tv slash Pittsburgh Pokemon Podcast or play in it. You get a chance to win hundreds of PTCGO codes and a lot of other giveaways during the event. So I uh, hope to see you there. And now back to the special bonus discussion. All right. So we, we have had a, a little feud here locally. Um, <laughs> I, I think, I, I mean, I, I definitely feel the fire with the, with the ADP hate saying ADP is trash. And I still think ADP of, okay, let me preface this. It is a good deck. But out of all the meta good decks, it's the worst, so it's trash. <laughs> what do you have to say about that? <laughs> uh, I mean, I kind of disagree. Like, it's, I don't, when I view it, like, when I put it in a tier one deck, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's a tier one. I think it's it's the, probably one of the best decks we have in format. Uh, and it's, uh, <clears throat> if it, it has, like, a 50-50 win rate against every other main meta deck. So, so I guess from my just my previous play styles, right? Mm-hmm. If you told me that I could go into a tournament and have a 50-50 matchup against every other top tier deck, and I view that I'm the skilled enough player to do well with that style, for sure. You know, that is a good deck to pick. Uh, I think you know that that's the case for that. And it's always constant. It may not win all the events, but or it any is any of them. <laughs> well, oh, it wins. It some. does win some. Does it does win some. So. When's the last time ADP actually won an event? I, I don't know, man. I haven't Shuck looked it up lately. Shuck will Shuck. know. Whimsy Watch will tell us, right? You know, yeah. if you listen to the Whimsy Watch, you'll, you'll know those those type of things. Uh, but it's it's still like getting top eight is not bad, you know, no, at these big that, tournaments. Like, So this is the thing. I, I, I say it is a good deck because it does make those top eights. But mm-hmm. um, the ADP is so figured out. Uh, it, to any of the, you know anybody for the most part that plays this game you know a decent amount that it just it can win those 50 50 matchups but it never or at least recently hasn't done you know gotten over the hump um you still have your return of this your 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 um your peak of roms and your you know your other meta decks that are still making those top eights and winning way more consistently than adp is that's basically my my, my point there I think a, a big issue with ADP is it's not so much what your opponent does. Like, yeah, there's you basically rely on them to play the Dennis and Crobats and all that stuff mm-hmm. to take those mm-hmm. quick knockouts. But I think what ADP struggles with is in and of itself, it has consistency issues. Now, people say that, mm-hmm. oh, it's the most consistent deck out there, right? But it's still, there's been many games, right? If you don't hit the cards you need at the exact moment you need them, yeah, the deck is just going to lose, right? right? You play four bosses orders because they're super important. But how many times have we started with three of our four bosses orders yep. in our opening hand and have to deny them away? And then right. you're like, well, I just lose. Or <laughs> For sure. you draw three of your four metal saucers in your opening hand and you have to get rid of them. And you're right. like, well, I'm already on a downhill slope. So I yeah, think that's I think, its issue. And I think another thing for ADP is it's the most susceptible to crushing hammers. So a lot of the times, if you get one crushing hammers hit against you in the first turn or after ADP goes first, um, a lot of times you just lose because of that, especially if it's right. a water. 
Right. I mean, yeah, it's, but... it, it was the deck that forced people to play 80, or crushing right. hammers. For like sure. it, it literally, it was like, it, it's the reason why four were put in, um, you know, just because it was like, okay, I'm going to do this just to counter this. Cause I hate facing this deck. Um, but yeah. I mean, I, 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 I you know, I'm jumping in real quick on this feud because just context for our listeners, this has been kind of, kind of going on a little while in our discord between these two. <laughs> and, uh, it's been rather amusing, actually. I've been really enjoying the discussion on that end and here too, but I mean, Jake, the one thing that's true about ADP is it is, it is the ultimate gatekeeper yeah. of all Another it, reason it, is trash. I, I I understand. I get that. I get that. But I mean, it's it's I like the word trash is so weird to put with it because it's really I just hate facing it. Um, I mean, and, I but otherwise, otherwise, it's more along the lines of uh, it's a good deck to teach the game to players to, in my mind. Like I don't know if, if you think so. No, Steve, I agree but, with that. But it is. It, I. I also view it as a crutch at the same time. After a player gets to a certain skill level, stop playing ADP. But those are those are two different discussions. As is it trash? Well, um, it also again, like I said, one crushing hammer. Uh, but a lot of right. times, even if it does what it wants to do and gets its ultra creation off, if you still knock him out before he spreads energy, mm-hmm. you've won the game at that point too. So, yeah. I think that's like my issue with it is I don't want to say the word trash. Now, could you hate it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I might it, be, I might be using a harsh word, right. um, <laughs> and, but you're welcome to use that. Right. We and have opinions. I, <laughs> secretly. Here's a hot take. I think ADP is secretly saving this format from being completely awful. Okay. And that's because... going to do it for the cast today. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> all right so, so can you wow. elaborate on that one i know yeah. i want to hear this all right if you've listened to me previously you know on other episodes i hate you know these stall type decks like uh swat or i guess alteria and decidueye right mm-hmm. i would think alteria decidueye decks would be way better if adp was not a card ADP has the resources that needs to easily defeat uh, those decks. I, I, I kind of disagree because if ADP wasn't in the format, you'll have other single prizers that can easily deal with that. It, that might be true, but I also feel like Mad Party would then rule the format. Yeah. And yeah, I, came in, okay. I played in the format in 2015 and 16 where when Mad Party was really good, 50% of all tournament decks was that one deck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there was also less spread back then, true? I mean, uh, I, no, no. Trevenant Break was a very popular okay. deck, and it was a very good deck back then. There was, in my, from my recollection, there was three main decks. It was Greninja Break, it was Trevenant Break, and then it was Night March. And yeah. Night March was 50% of the meta right. back then. It was also probably accessible cards as well. That might have had something to do with well, it. Well, I mean, we had Shame and EX back then, and if you've played any expanded, you know, over the yeah. past year, you know that yeah. card and Battle Compressor and Versus Seeker. For so sure, for sure. It had a lot of good cards, but those type of you know, those type of mechanics that I'm a single prize deck that can one shot anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's a I very agree. good deck. Uh Mad Party mm-hmm. would be definitely rolling the roost. I mean, there are cards that are gonna knock it down regardless, anyways, especially after ADP run uh runs those, MV. Uh, <laughs> uh, get out of here with Stoutland. <laughs> you know, Stoutland V could be a good card. Uh, could if it be. wasn't for that 
I get what Steve is saying though. And I think what, uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it makes a lot of sense at the same no, time because like ADP, if, if there was a, if Pokemon did like side decks, like a side, you could, you know, you could have a side pool of cards to switch out of in and out of during a tournament or something. And like, Oh, I'm coming up against the Sidui next. Ooh. Oh, I, I mean, ADP would be the scariest thing on earth because you're just like, okay, this is when Aegis Slash is. Oh, now oh. I'll put more Zamazetas in. Oh, I'll do this instead. It'd be that would be super scary. Um, it, it, you know, like that's that's ADP. It is it is a deck that I am very much looking forward to rotating out. <laughs> okay. uh, I think everyone's ready for it to rotate yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. Okay, so uh, with that saying, uh, I mean. I still think it's just not a good deck um, for multiple different reasons. Um, I've already kind of stated um, definitely it, it suppresses the meta the way it is. Plus I just think it's B tier in my opinion, but that is, you know, we're entitled to each other's opinions, I guess. <laughs> I agree. 